Hi, I'm Sarah Noble, your host for the Modern Day Intuitive Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been on a spiritual journey, searching, learning, expanding, and growing. I've traveled the world, led by my heart, on a quest to know myself so that I can support others. This podcast was created from my deep desire to help you connect with your intuition and to inspire you to create a life where the impossible becomes possible and you live into your sacred dreams and desires. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Hello, my loves. It's so good to be here with you today. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, just so much love for you on this journey and your spiritual awakening, the deepening of your intuition. I'm truly celebrating you and all the amazingness that you are. And in my endeavor to support you and bring things into your life and into your world that can enhance your learning. I've created a free mini masterclass called Developing Your Primal Intuitive Power. There's a link in the show notes. It just goes into the four main gifts that we all share, how we can develop them, and also the quiz that I've created that will help you understand what is your primary intuitive power. And in the masterclass, a little bit about the story of why I feel so passionate about this quiz and helping you to discover what is that intrinsic part of you that is the strongest of your intuitive gifts and using it as a portal to really launch into this expanded capacity of consciousness. So I'd love for you to check out those when you get a chance. And for our call today, Florence is here with us and she has fear and angst around her financial security at the moment. Her typical pattern through this, I'm sure we can all relate to this, is panic and then hard work, doing more, doing more. And she's really here looking for guidance on how she can choose a new path forward and really come through this part of her journey with a little more ease, a little more surrender, a little more peace. And so this beautiful reading takes us on a journey where we look at core wounds and how they affect your daily lives. We talk about overcaring for others and not knowing how to take up space for yourself. Understanding how security comes from inside yourself rather than from your external world. How to care for and nurture your younger self, a popular one here on the show. And we also look at the illusionary collective stories of money and scarcity that we all share and how we get caught in these and how it is so important to be open to both giving and receiving. So many of us give, give, give. And when we really look into the depths of our heart, we can see how we are keeping love out, how we are keeping abundance out, how we are keeping ourselves out. And so really diving into this portal of what in the Andean traditions is called Aini, where everything is in right relationship and the giving and receiving in our world becomes so imbalanced and equal that we can no longer see where one starts and the other one ends. So my loves, enjoy this beautiful reading with Florence. I love you. Hi Florence, welcome to the podcast. How can I help you today? 
Thank you, Sarah, for your time, for this gift of your intuitive reading. I would say that right now in my life, I have a fair bit of angst around finances, financial security. It's a theme, but it's kind of come to this head where I'm close to running out of money and I'm the sole breadwinner right now for my family. And yeah, it's pushing a lot of buttons and I feel like it's an opportunity to sort of move through this differently than I have ever in my life before, which is usually panic and work hard. And I don't want to do that anymore. Thank you. So the image that you're showing me is different versions of an apple being peeled. And this idea that you are getting really down to the core of where these things stem from, like you've done a lot of work and you are, what's the word here? Like there's a persistence in you, like this edge of wanting to know more and to go deeper. And you're coming into this core place and a core wound is what they're showing me. So how do you connect to that information when I share that with you? Deeply. I I genuinely believe it's a wound. I experience it as a wound. There's a, absolutely. And I'd say it's even multi-generational. Yeah. And I feel a clenching in your root chakra as we're talking. So that food safety shelter Chakra, are you familiar with the chakra system? Just enough to know that my wounding is in the first chakra. Yes, I do know that. (laughs) Okay. So what that can be, right, is those first seven years of our life and what we see and what we experience, how we live our life during those years. So if you spend those years in scarcity and not feeling safe and provided for, that is going to play out in your adult life. I also see, as you're talking about multi-generational, there are cords that are threaded off that root chakra and they are heading out back down through your family line. So confirming this idea that not only are you healing it from your own personal childhood, but through the lens of looking at all the people that came before you in your family line. And in the Andean shamanic traditions, we talk about as we do this healing work for ourselves in this lifetime, it changes seven generations backward and seven generations forward. So there's this real ability for us to clear a lot, not just for ourselves, but for all of our loved ones. So what are you currently doing like with this wound? What do you know about it? I know it by its symptoms. I know that I could see decades and decades, if not like always, I don't even think of a time where I didn't have a pattern around under earning and feeling deeply anxious around financial security, feeling financially insecure. And the insecurity isn't just that, oh, I won't have enough money to go get a new pair of shoes. It actually feels more primal, like I'm not going to survive. And that it's all up to me to survive, that I'm not carried or cared for or supported by, yeah, my parents were in a difficult marriage. 
very warm, good people, thank God, but in a difficult marriage. And they came out of, my father in particular came out of the war. He lived on the border of Germany through the wars. There was trauma. And I could feel it as a child really quickly that I was not a priority, that there was fighting, there was yelling, there was tension around money. It was not a great early environment for me. And I just absorbed this feeling of, if I'm going to survive, I'm going to have to fix these people. I would very consciously try and make them happy or live really small and not need anything. Like I have very clear memories of not wanting to spend their money, pretending when they went through the drive through like I wasn't hungry and then just mooching off my siblings. Like Sheila didn't like her pickles. I could count on those. I knew I could mooch some fries off my mom or some milkshake from my sister, Bridget. And it was this sense of like, I just don't want to be a burden to them. That my job was to give and to soothe and to be there for other people and to go, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, when really you weren't. No. Yeah. No, I was terrified. I felt abandoned. So this really big responsibility, feeling of needing to take care of others, right? Like they are getting to have, but then you are not in support of them. In a warped way, that is true. That's how I experienced it. Although, obviously, as an adult, I can see that there was a roof over my head, there was food on the table. I survived, I'm alive, right? Like, But as a kid, it felt that way. Yeah. And what happens, right, is that we grow up and we can rationalize what happened. Yet, that little girl inside, that kid inside, doesn't understand rationality. She just understands the visceral experience of feeling that she couldn't take up space and feeling that there was never enough and that she had to go without. And that lives inside your nervous system. And then when you come up against the situation that you're at, Rational, you can say, okay, I'll be okay. And it'll work out. It always has. I'm a hard worker. I can get another job. You've got all these rational responses, but they don't work because that little girl inside, she's like, rational doesn't mean anything to me. I might die. Like, this is my real existence. And then she is the one that is being activated in your current day. What work have you done around being with her, soothing her, helping her understand the difference of your life today? A number of things. I would say that three or four of the core things that I do to sort of regulate my nervous system, to keep myself resourced and connected, is I walk in nature almost every day. Rare exceptions aside, I'd say nature's number one. Two, I work very closely with how I nourish my body. I stay hydrated. I eat whole foods. I eat on a schedule. There's rhythms and high, high quality self-care there. I do some somatic experiencing work a little bit. I'm still getting better at it, but where I will hold my body, I will do breathing work. I do yoga. I also do meditation almost daily. So those are mainstays of my day. 
I will say there's another piece in this that just occurred to me as you were summarizing some of the things I was saying is that one of my early traumas was that I was left alone to cry in the crib. And I know that because both my mother and my aunt have told me that that was what my father thought was good parenting, that he used to say to my mom, just leave her, let her cry it out. She's got a dry diaper, right? She's been fed. She's fine. She'll soothe herself. And this is like early weeks, early months of life. And that feeling is how I feel when I feel financially insecure. Like I'm going to cry out and no one's going to come. No one's going to come. No one's coming. I'm on my own. And when I get tired and I feel overextended and I'm feeling burnt out and I think I've all I've got and I'm failing, that's when that child, right? That child in the crib crying for comfort, for reassurance. I'm not alone in this big dark bedroom right now. That's way down. We had a one level house that was long. So I was way at the far end of the house while they were in the den watching TV. And so that feeling has just not shifted in my system. It's still there, despite all the other things I do. Yeah. Would you be open to walking through a little exercise with me? Sure. So if you close your eyes, if that feels comfortable and you're imagining, right, this house, you can describe it to me, the long, dark hallway, you're all the way in the back. Can you bring that memory or more of a visual, I imagine, right? Bring that up. And then adult you, what we're going to do is have adult you walk down that hallway, see that bedroom door emerging. You hear the baby crying, you hear yourself crying. And in this image, this memory, See yourself walking up to the crib and reaching down and taking that little baby, picking her up, maybe looking in her eyes, cradling her close to your heart, snuggle in with her, feel her head just resting on your chest, and just soothe her, rock her. Maybe light kisses on the top of her head. And then, what did she want to hear? What words does she need that aren't rational, that are just words of love and soothing? And if you're open to it, saying them out loud to her. You're okay. I'm right here. Everything's okay. You're good. Yeah. You're okay. I'm sorry it took me a little while to hear you crying and to come. But I'll always come. You're not alone. What feels good to you to do for her next? Would she like to go back into the crib? Does she want to stay with you? What feels good for her? Oh, yeah, the baby wants to stay. We want to stay together. I'm just imagining maybe going back into the den where maybe they're watching TV and the baby's just sleeping on my chest with me. Yeah. Let's walk in there and sit down and snuggle with her. 
And then just when she's settled, just your version of letting her know that you're always here with her. You're never going to leave her. That she always has you. And as it feels good for you, just maybe take a deep breath and open your eyes and allow yourself to come back into this time, into this room. Maybe your eyes land on something that's familiar to this time and space. And then when you're ready, if there's anything you want to share, Thank you. It was beautiful. It was very powerful, very impactful. I have no desire to open my eyes. I did do it because you asked me to, but I have no desire to leave <laughs> this cocoon, this this lovely moment. Yeah. And I bring it back to my financial insecurity. I literally heard the words, even if we starve, we'll stay together. Like, <laughs> even if. Like there was a part that had popped up to say, just show me the money. This is all very cute, but just show me the money. <laughs> I love this. It's very sweet, but you know what I mean? Like it's cold. It's winter. We're two weeks away from snow flying. The heat's going to get cut off. And it's like, oh man. And I just thought, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. If we die and we starve, but we're going to die and starve together, not disconnected. Yeah, and that part, right, that wants to come in and remind you of the money is also another part that just feels abandoned, feels that nobody heard them crying. And that's their version of crying it out. And so like gathering that part as well, nurturing that part recognizing that this is a very, very valuable and powerful part of you that will never let you starve. Like there's so much power in that voice that I can feel, right? It's just misguided. What's happening for you? Yeah, yeah. That part is misguided in that it sees money as security and it just isn't. It just isn't. That's just a false thing to hang on to, to feel secure, that secure is an inside job, not an outside thing. And yeah, so I can see how working with that false belief that if when we've got money in the bank account, everything's good. According to that part, that's its little, when it sees numbers in there, it's like, okay, I'm good now, I can relax. Whereas I think that those numbers don't mean anything. That's not really what should be inspiring you to relax. It should be connection to me. Yeah, and whenever that part comes up, it's like acknowledging it and then reminding it the truth. And what I see right in that thread too, that money in the bank equals safety and security, that's a very big collective story that we have been told. And we've built a whole world on that. Lots of people share this same exact thought. It's not unique. It's not original. I share it with you. <laughs> and there's a lot of freedom in really recognizing it for what it is. And then you can depersonalize it as well. And what is it? The numbers in the bank, the money 
that that voice says, right? When's money in the bank equals safety, equals security. That statement, I would bet almost every person listening is nodding their head right now because they think that too. Yeah. And what's so powerful about recognizing that is you can have a lot more compassion for yourself that you're caught in a collective story and it's not a part of you that needs to go away or change or, oh my gosh, I'm so done with this part that's always here. It's like, oh, this is actually just the collective feeding me a story that I mistakenly thought was mine because I have reference points that connect me to it. Yes. And I think that there's a reason that collective story came up. I think it came up out of, I don't could be wrong about this, but historically it came up out of European cultures. And because Northern hemispheres, six, seven months of the year up here in Canada, I will freeze to death. There are days, two, three hours outside, I will freeze to death. And the real fear of the cold, of the not being able to pay the mortgage or the heat, like it's so real. Whereas every time I'm in tropical countries, something deeply shifts in my nervous system. I'm like, you know what? There are literally free fruits just falling off trees and parks. I could sleep on the beach. Like there's some kind of different sense of the capacity to survive. Yeah, it's exaggerated by Northern Hemisphere climate realities, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Like as you're having lived in tropical places, there is a little more sense of freeing of that having to be that survival, like that collective survival piece. Yes. Well, where would you like to go from here? I think it's clear that I need to do work with that part that's terrified of freezing to death. Like, and the pressure in our culture to make, I mean, the cost of housing and living and food even, like that is such a pressure that causes such a grind in the way we approach work. And it's just so messed up. Like, you're right, so many of us are caught in this. And I feel the realness of that fear that if we can't cover the mortgage, the rent, that in harsh winter weathers, that's a problem. Yeah. And so some of the work is really going to be seeing that for what it is. Like I have a practice that when those thoughts drop in that are not the truth of me, in the sense, I mean, you are in this place, right? Where there is a financial concern, but it's exacerbated by the pressure of this collective story about what abundance means, what it means to be in flow with the universe, giving and receiving. There's a lot of giving, but not so much receiving in this work dynamic that we have been trained into. I'm going to give everything I am in hopes that I'm going to receive, but it's not necessarily equal to what I'm giving. Where the true relationship of the world is an equal reciprocal giving and receiving. And the universe, divine spirit, wants to give to us. We just are caught in this illusion. And that collective story is louder than the original story of the universe. 
And so part of it is really retraining ourselves to disconnect from that illusion of what money means and what we need to do to get it. Right. Totally resonates with me. Yes. Right. That the issue isn't that there isn't enough to go around or that there isn't abundance, that things can't flow through all of our lives, that we will get our needs met. The issue is the blocks to receiving. And the block to receiving is my wound. (laughs) Yeah. That's the wound. Yeah. I'm the junkyard dog. (laughs) (laughs) Here, here, have some meat. I brought you some food. And it's like, snapping and growling and snarling at somebody who's trying to help yeah and it's just bringing all those parts back to the truth back to the remembering right that you are supported that you are loved that you are safe and maybe even you know what i'm seeing is like when these thoughts come up is just rewrite the pattern by seeing yourself cradling that baby because a lot of this work is repatterning right rewiring the brain and right now you have a thought drop in and then there's this visceral sensation in your body and then there's more thoughts that follow it and in order to break that pattern it's stopping the thoughts connecting in with the feeling and taking that baby and using that as a way to rewire Oh, look like and smell that baby and really breathe in the essence of you, this truth of you, right? That was born whole, complete, deserving, unconditioned, unstoried. She is the truth of how you came into this world. And so allowing yourself to rewire with this truth and with her image and the nurturing of her. Mm-hmm. That in the flow of energy and comfort and reassurance to the baby in my arms, the visceral experience of like literally cupping a little baby's head in my hand. I mean, I can feel it. It's almost like the weight of the head. And I can see I was born with shocking amounts of black hair. And, you know, just seeing that and that in the giving to that baby, there's somehow this sense of imagining that that too that someone's doing that for me, the universe, source, whatever is doing that for me. And that's where things break down. But I think that's where my edge is, that I know how to give that. I know what this feels like. It feels so good. Like now, can I just expand that to imagine that, you know, if my hand's holding one hand, there's a hand under my other hand holding the other hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you taking away from our call today? Just a reminder that the somatic type work, this like the visual, the emotional, the tapping into the body and like really doing this at the level of the body, feeling, experiencing what I'm visualizing. It's just shifts. It shifts my nervous system out of this place of lack and scarcity and fear that's very pinched, very restricted, not a very receptive place to be receiving. It's very low vibrational too. Like if I'm you know, I mean, my work is to stay on the vibration of what I want. And I can't stay on the vibration of what I want when I'm in that place. And this opens me back up again to the, oh, this feels so good. It feels so good to give this to this baby I'm imagining. And can I imagine 
It's a little bit of a block, but I can imagine that the universe would feel that way giving to me. And can I receive it? That's my edge right there. Just imagine being the baby. That is the one giving to the baby. Yes. Yeah, right there. What they're saying is you get to be both. Like play with that because that will really make the edge confused. (laughs) (laughs) Well, does this feel like an okay place to land today? It does. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today and making your personal and spiritual growth a priority in your life. To learn more about connecting with your dreams and your intuition so that you can create a life full of possibilities, visit me at www.sarahnoble.com and see how we can create magic together. A big thank you from my heart to yours for making the planet a better place for us all.